Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. We are beginning today a a two-week series called Out of the Cave, and we're going to be talking about in this series, we're going to be tackling a topic that um, I I do believe um, over a period of time the church did not do uh, a great job at talking about some of these real issues that we struggle with. Um, But I feel like over the last several years, um, they have done, we have done a a better um, job. But uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, topic of depression. And um, and this series is kind of inspired by a book that's called Out of the Cave that was written by uh, Pastor Chris Hodges. Uh, uh, Pastor Chris Hodges has been, um, has had a bigger influence in um, what you experience at Transformation Church than you realize. Um, that it was at a conference that Andrea and I went to when, um, when we sensed the Lord was calling us to take a step out, a step of faith uh, as lead pastors. Uh, and it was in a conference um, at Church of the Highlands um, that God really gave us a snapshot of what um, the culture of the church that he would have us lead would look like. And so um, in this book, um, uh, which by the way, we have, hold on, I got to change the setting on this thing. It keeps going dark on me. (laughs) Awkward. Hold on just a second. Hold on just a second. Um, Anybody got a good joke while I'm doing this? No? Okay. Um, There, there we go. All right. But, um, We've got a free book. We've got uh, the Out of the Cave book that we want to bless you with uh, today after the service. And so you can pick up a a copy, a physical copy of that. We've also got um, a sign-up sheet that if you're a Kindle kind of person, if you like to read it on your tablet or something, um, uh, we'll cover the charge uh, for you for that. Um, You know, we believe we want to be a church that not only talks about real issues, but a church that gives you tools to help you walk through real issues in your life. And so um, after the service today, outside at the merch table, which they'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the service today as well. Uh, We'll have that book. I'm going to be kind of hanging out at that table so I can answer any questions um, or I can sign um, Pastor Chris's book for you uh, if you want me to. Um, But... Uh, but we'll have that for you and uh, just our way to kind of bless you. And so maybe you're walking through a season right now uh, where you're struggling with a little bit of depression, or maybe you know somebody uh, that is, even if they don't attend the church here, grab a book, uh, put it in their hands. Let's, um, let's help those that are closest to us um, walk through um, this difficult season in their life. You know, the reason why um, the book, the reason why this series is called Out of the Cave is because if you've ever done a little exploring in caves, you know that, that it can be dark, you know that it can be disorienting, that it can be lonely. And I think depression uh, is a lot like that in our lives, that, uh, that when we walk through that, it's, a, it's something that, you know, I've kind of, I've kind of learned this in, in my life. I've, I've had three different seasons in my journey where um, I've had to walk through depression uh, in my own life. One of those seasons was a season that was medicated. And I've kind of learned um, this um, about depression, and I don't know if you can relate, but 
Have you ever noticed that when we have an injury on the outside of our body, like let's say we, we break a bone, let's say we tear some nig- ligaments, or let's say we got a, a deep cut or something like that, that, that we have no problem like rushing to the doctor's office to get that looked at? Have you ever noticed? Um, but have you ever noticed how slow we are to, to get the internal injuries, the internal things that we're wrestling with? Look like. I mean, I think about my own life and my own journey that, that I was a sports guy and so I had a lot of injuries. I remember one time um, tearing all the ligaments in my ankle and I come like hopping into the, the ER. Oh man, that's a lot harder than I thought. Um, uh, <laughs> I got the whole belly jiggling when I do that hop on there. Oh, it's getting ready for some barbecue today. Um, I did pray and I asked the Lord about that diet that I've been spending a bunch of money on. He said today was a cheat day. So um, church-wide cheat day if you're on a diet. But, um, but I had no problem like hopping in like a rabbit, you know, into the ER and everybody looking at me all weird because I've, my ankle's like huge and, and I've torn all the ligaments. But, um, but when I had to walk through these seasons in my own life, um, It was something for whatever reason, I felt like I had to kind of keep it private. I felt like it was something that I had to kind of walk through all by myself. It was something that that was even hard for me as as a married person to even have a conversation with with Andrea about. And And I think the reason for that is because in our society, and it's gotten better, Um, But in our society, um, the idea of depression and anxiety disorders and those kind of things, it it does have a stigma. There's something about that 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 everybody's fine with somebody walking in with with an injury on the outside. but, But when we have injuries on the inside, we kind of attach little labels to that. And I think what I want all of us to, to understand over these next couple of weeks is that, you know, when you look up at me today and you see somebody that's wearing glasses, your instant um, assumption about me isn't negative. You just recognize that, that, that there's a part of my body that is not operating at maximum efficiency. And so I have to wear glasses in order to bring those areas of my life that are operating at low efficiency up to more of a normal efficiency. And I think the same is true for those that that struggle with, with depression that we don't need to look at it as something that's, that's, that's majorly wrong or they didn't pray enough or this is God like pouring out, you know, um, his judgment on their life, that, that we need to look at people that are walking through that much like what you look at me today with glasses, that it's an area of their life, that the brain is an area of the body um, that may not be working at peak efficiency, and uh, so there are some things that, that, that we can see in scripture and there's some things that doctors can help us with to kind of bring that up where it needs uh, to be. So um, I've learned this in my journey that just because we have depression, uh, that it doesn't mean that depression has to have us. Amen. Um, that it is something that, that we can find freedom from. And so over the next two weeks, uh, today, I want to talk really about how we get into the cave of depression. Um, and I want to give you a heads up. Today's going to kind of end with a little bit of a cliffhanger, okay? Because next week uh, is designed to talk about the ways that we get out of the cave. So today, we're going to look at five ways that, that five things that or habits in our life uh, that will lead us into the cave of depression 
Next week, we're going to look at, at five ways or habits um, that we can apply in our lives to help us get out of the cave of depression. Sound good? All right. All right. Well, let's pray. Let's invite the Holy Spirit into our time together. Say this out loud with me. Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, um, I've walked through, I'd mentioned I've walked through depression three different seasons in, uh, in my own life. The most recent one in 2019, uh, we were pastoring in Washington, had experienced a lot of, um, a lot of just emotional trauma through, um, through relationships. Um, and, uh, and Andrew and I began to kind of notice, it was something that both of us was kind of walking through. We began to notice that, um, that it, it felt like our, even our vision of what God wanted for the church began to kind of narrow because it was almost like we were walking through life in this fog. And, um, and we recognized that we needed, to, we needed to, to get some help. We recognized that we needed to, to get some other voices that were outside of the fog, so to speak, uh, to help us to begin to process through that. We ended up partnering with uh, an Assemblies of God um, organization that actually helps missionaries when they've been on the mission field, helps them kind of readjust as they come back to America. And so we spent a couple weeks with them. Um, and that's really like our first series as, as uh, pastors here. You may, if you've been around, you may remember that. We did a, a series, I think it was called Spiritual DNA. And, um, and we talked about the fruit of the spirit. But the first week, what we talked about was John 15, the importance of staying connected to the vine. And that was, that was the life lesson that, that we learned um, in our own journey of depression is, is how oftentimes it begins to kind of pull us away from the vine and the importance of us even in difficult times to, to remain and to stay uh, connected. And, um, and what we kind of learned through the years is that, um, that there's a whole lot more people that are dealing with, with depression than we realize. Um, if you were to look at statistics, you know, a few things just over the last few years as we've kind of navigated through the season uh, of COVID, um, what we've seen is that calls to, to mental health hotlines is, is up some 900% over the last couple years. That um, antidepressant medication and the people that have, uh, have been walking that journey out with antidepressant medication um, is up 300%. Uh, something that really shocked me, um, but it helped me. It, it kind of gave me um, um, just confidence in knowing that we're moving in the right direction as a church is that, that um, uh, young adults, 25% um, of young adults over the last two years through the season of COVID had considered committing suicide. And, you know, it... And seeing that, it kind of it kind of made me think about our our motto as it relates to the kids that that we want to reach them before we have to rescue them, 
right? Like we don't want to wait until they go down the rabbit hole of addiction in their life and, and, and all the things that come with um, that young adult kind of age range. Um, but we want to reach them first and we want to, we want to pour into them the principles of, of God's word and, and, and create atmospheres where they can encounter and experience God in a mighty way so that we can reach them before we have to go out and rescue them. Um, you see in, in research that um, 10% of all Americans uh, struggle with depression. Now that's, that's over 30 million people in America um, that are struggling with depression right now. That one out of every five people have been on some sort of antidepressant uh, medication at some point in their life. And so I think as, as you began to kind of pinpoint and see the impact of, of, of mental health in our lives that we began to notice that there is an epidemic that's happening, that there is an epidemic in our country that, that, that is dealing with depression. And I, I want you to know today that if that is you, like if you're walking through um, a season of depression, I want you to know this, that your illness does not have to be your identity. That the illness, the things that you struggle with, the mental health does not have to be your identity. It might be what you're struggling with right now in this season, but with God's help, it doesn't have to be your identity because God promises us in Galatians 5 verse 1 that it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. That God desires us to live a life of freedom, that Jesus didn't die on a cross so that we could spend the rest of our lives um, bound. And so in this series, we're going to kind of look at um, the prophet Elijah. And we're going to look at his life in 1 Kings chapter 19. And one of the things that I love about the Bible is that it's not full of like all of these people that live life perfectly. It's not full of all these people that would have been chosen first by God. It's full of, of, of murderers. It's full of adulterers. It's full of, of drunks. It's full of liars. And it's even full of people that are doing their best to follow God but struggle with depression. And so we see in 1 Kings 19, we see the prophet Elijah. We see a guy who genuinely loved God. We see a guy who was who living his life, doing what God was calling him to do, but a guy who was walking through a season of depression. And I, I don't know about you, I would assume that your story is similar to mine, that I've kind of discovered that following God doesn't insulate us from difficulty, right? That just because we've accepted Christ into our heart, just because we're going to church, it doesn't insulate us from difficulty. And we see that in Elijah's life. And so in 1 Kings chapter 19, I want you to read with me, uh, starting in verse 1. It says, when Ahab got home, that he told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, and I'm going I'm to hit on that here in just a second, including the way that he had killed all the prophets of Baal. And so in verse two, it says that Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, may the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Now, I, I find it interesting here in these first few verses that 
that Jezebel doesn't send somebody to kill Elijah, that he just sends, she just sends a threat that she was going to kill Elijah. Now you'd think that this guy, Elijah, right? You'd think that especially coming off the heels of, of when, when it talks about all Elijah has done, coming off the hills of, of one defeating 450 prophets of Baal and, and, and also they were in a three-year drought and so he, he prays fervently and, and, and God sends rain. And so you would think that that this guy, a guy like this, that God has showed up mightily and powerful in his life, that he could handle a text message. <laughs> that he could handle maybe a comment on Instagram or a picture on Facebook. But it says what he does in verse three, that Elijah was, was afraid. And so he fled for his life, that he went to Beersheba, a town of Judah, and he left his servant there, not the best of ideas. And in verse four, then he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day, that he sat down under a solitary broom tree and he prayed that he might die. And then he said something next that I think many of us have probably said over the last couple years. He says, I've had enough. Like, God, I've, I've, I've had enough. He says this, he says, take my life for, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. I mean, what a powerful statement from a powerful man of God with a real internal injury in his life. And so today I want to share with you five things that that we see in this text that drove Elijah into the cave of depression. And I think you'll notice that these are five things that if, we, if you have walked through that in your own life or you're walking through it now that you will recognize that, that some of these things are the things that also drive us into the cave of depression. The number one, and this is, this is the biggest one for me, this is the one that um, out of all the five, like I've, I've kind of experienced all the five, um, but this is the one that gets me in trouble all the time. Number one, life imbalances. Life imbalances have a tendency to drive us into the cave of depression. In Johan Hari's book, Lost Connections, he says regarding depression that that maybe we should talk less about chemical imbalances. And he's not saying that that's not something to talk about, but he's saying maybe we should talk less about that and more about the imbalances of, of how we live our lives. And honestly, I would, I would agree because I think sometimes we can get a bit arrogant in thinking that we can, we can do it all. Like we can tackle the entire list of to-do every single week. But I've learned this in my journey and, and I don't know about you, but I'm a hard-headed kind of guy. And so typically when God's got to teach me a lesson, I got to fall flat on my face first before I learn the lesson. Um, but here's what I've learned in my journey. That not everything that is doable is sustainable. Not everything that is doable in our lives is sustainable. 
And for many, the reason why we struggle with depression is because, because we've tried to maintain this pace of living that is unsustainable. And after a while, eventually, it begins to, to catch up to us. And so if that's you, if you find yourself in this season and maybe you're recognizing that you've got some life imbalances in your life, maybe you're not in a season of depression yet, but we recognize that this is one of the causes that leads us into the cave. This is what the Bible would tell us, some great advice in Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse six. Look at this. It says, better one handful with tranquility then two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Holy moly. Like he's saying better, better one handful, like, like, like better, better one job with a little less of the, 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 the nice, you know, frou-frou stuff in our lives and have, and have a little bit of peace than it is for us to work two and three and four jobs so that we can have all the nice houses and all the nice cars and wear all the clothes. Like, like it's better to have one handful with peace than two handfuls with toil. Like I think about, I think about um, just this past week, you know, we were, we were um, I think we were eating lunch, um, some of the team, and, uh, and Mike shows me this social media uh, post, and um, I'm not going to get it exactly right, but, but basically the post was saying, you know, we get, we get so hung up over all this stuff that's happening with Disney and the way that they're indoctrinating our kids, and listen, I'm in, I, I'm in full agreement, like, like I'm just not a huge fan of, of having a bunch of young kids watching all kinds of different lifestyles through cartoons. I'm just not a big fan of that. I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of that. But, but it said, it said on there, like we get so caught up and so hung up on that. But yet when you look at all like the travel ball, right. And all the, the sports that our kids play that, that those things have pulled more families and, and kids out of church than Disney ever will. And I got three kids and all three of my kids, they play sports. My youngest daughter is in Orlando this weekend for a volleyball tournament. I get it. I get it. But I think what he's saying here in Ecclesiastes is that at some point, if we live every area of our life trying to, you know, we live in a culture where if one thing is good, two of them is even better, right? Like if I'm gonna have one jet ski, I need two. Like if I... <laughs> If I'm gonna have one boat, it'd be nice to have a couple boats. Like if I'm a, I mean, if we have one and it's good, then we want more than that. And I think what he's getting at in this text is that if we live our lives that way, where it's 120 miles an hour in every area of our lives, that at some point that pace becomes unsustainable. And at some point, our world begins to close in and it pulls us into this cave of depression. Number two, another cause um, that we see is comparing ourselves with others. Comparing ourselves with others. We see Elijah do this in the text that we read that he starts talking about his ancestors. Like why in the world does he even bring that up? I don't know. 
but he starts comparing his life with his ancestors. And, and friends, we live in such a social media inundated, inundated age in undated. <laughs> Got it. Inundated. I'm going to walk off this platform. I'm going to say that 10 times and I'll get it right once. Um, <laughs> but we're so inundated. Woo! Got it. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> With all of this social media in our lives that researchers are saying that it, that it is driving us, it's causing depression in our lives because we spend so much of our time comparing ourselves with the people that we see. I love, um, I listened to a message by Stephen Verdick several years ago. He's a pastor, uh, pastor of Elevation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and he said this statement that I've never really began to, to uh, been able to shake. He said that we compare um, are behind the scenes with other people's highlight reels, right? Like we're sitting there on social media and we're scrolling and I, I don't know if you realize this, but there's like a filter for everything now. Like I don't see anybody taking an ugly picture and posting it on, on Instagram or Facebook. I mean, I, and I got a family that does it all the time. Like they're, they're picturing and they're swiping filters and, and trying to find whichever one looks the best. And then, and then they post that, right? And what do we do? We're like scrolling through and we're like, we're like seeing like hair and makeup and, and, and body weight and, and like where they're at. Like we're thinking, we're thinking, man, how in the world did, did, did they get the money to be able to go on that vacation? Like, that's not fair. And we're just, I mean, all of our time during the day is scrolling through and, 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 and we may not be doing it consciously, but we're doing it subconsciously. We're comparing ourselves with all of these people that we see on social media. And the reason why comparison is so bad in our life is because, listen, comparison steals. It's a thief of joy. It's a thief of joy. The more that we compare our lives with other people, the more that it robs us of our joy of living. And that's why... It says, you know, it, it says in Nehemiah chapter eight, and you may, if you've been in church or grew up in church, you may know this, the joy of the Lord is our what? Is our strength. And so the more of that joy that we get robbed of because we spend all this time comparing um, our behind the scenes with somebody else's highlight reels, the more it sucks the life out of us. And maybe that's why Galatians says in chapter six, verse four, that cautions us, listen, pay careful attention to your own work. Like pay careful attention to your own work for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Like when you focus on what you're doing in your life and you're focused on doing the best that you can with what you've got. Like you can find joy and you can find fulfillment in that. 
But the minute you start jumping on social media and you start comparing yours to other people's, that's when over a period of time, it begins to suck the joy out of your life. Number three, the third thing that kind of pulls us into the cave of depression is, is ruminating and self-talk. Ruminating and self-talk. And ruminating is, it's when we, um, when we take our grief, when we take our sorrow, our, our hurt, our disappointment, and we just kind of think about it, right? I know you've, I've, I've done it before and I know you have too. It's just, it's like, it's like on repeat in your mind and you just, you go through those conversations that, that you've had with people. Like, like for me, one of the things where that becomes the biggest like stumbling hazard for me is, um, which is kind of funny that I'm saying this um, on the heels of what I just did, but on Sunday afternoons is some of the hardest emotional or is the hardest for me emotionally because um, I'll typically go home, I'll typically take a nap and then I wake up and and, and, and I, I can't help but to begin to think and process about the day and to think about, you know, the message and to think about the presentation and to think about um, who I didn't see in church. And, and what happens is, is all these things start kind of playing through my head. And if I allow those things and I'm, I'm all, I'm the kind of personality that always sees what I can do better, never really celebrates on what I did well. I don't know if anybody else is that way, but that's just kind of like how I'm wired. And so Andrea has had to kind of help me to focus on, on the wins rather than focusing always on the opportunities, always on the areas where I could have done better, where maybe I made a mistake. And, and so when you think about this ruminating, like it's even a word that is, is used to describe a, a type of of animal, like there's, there's ruminating animals, um, like cows are one of them, right? And, and how does a cow eat? A cow uh, eats grass and, and, you know, chews the grass and then it's a ruminating animal. So what it does is, is, is the cow swallows the grass and, and then throws the grass back up in its mouth, right? And, and, and chews it some more and swallows throws it back up again. Yeah. I got a couple pictures of it up here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but it's a ruinating animal. It just, it, it, it kind of chews and it swallows and it throws it back up and chews and swallows. You're like, I get it, Ryan. I get it. I get it. That's what Andrew is going to tell me. Like, I, they got it. They got it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but I've learned that, um, I've learned in my own journey that um, it never, it never tastes as good coming back up as it did going down. <laughs> because, oh, <laughs> I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you on the hook. But, but here's the thing: we, we get disgusted by that thinking about food, but we don't really get disgusted by that when we think about our thoughts. That one in my notes. That was good stuff right there. <laughs> um, we don't. And we just cycle through. We ruminate on the pain and the hurt, the disappointment and the grief and the sorrow. And the more that we think about that stuff, the more that, that it gets us into to a bad place mentally uh, in our lives. Um, there's an author by the name of Brian Tracy 
And this is what he said. He says, he said, 95% of our emotions, uh, positive and negative, that they're determined by how we talk to ourselves on a minute by minute basis. That the majority of the emotions that we feel good and bad is, is connected to the self-talk. It's connected to that voice on the inside that's constantly telling ourselves why we're not good enough or why we can't do something or looking at other people and, and, and comparing the behind the scenes, right? It's, it's tied to all of that stuff. And maybe that's why, maybe that's why the Bible says in Philippians 4 that, that instead of doing that, that we, should, that we should fix our thoughts. Fix our thoughts not on the mistakes, fix our thoughts not on the, the disappointments and the pain. It doesn't mean it's not real. It doesn't mean that, that, that it doesn't have an impact but we're supposed to, the Bible says, to fix our thoughts on what's true, on what's honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. It says, think about things that are, that are excellent and worthy of praise. And, and then he says, goes on to say in verse nine that, that then the God of peace will be with you. The fourth thing that I want to look at today is, um, that gets us into the cave is, is the inability that we have to process pain in a, in a healthy way. And our worship team is going to begin to, to prepare. The inability to process pain in a healthy way. Listen, we all have pain and disappointment in our lives. I mean, Jesus even promised it in scripture that we're going to, we're going to have tribulation in our life. And that's why it's not a matter of whether we have it. It's, it's a matter of how we process through it. And unfortunately, what happens in our lives is we begin to, we begin to cope with the pain and the disappointment rather than process it. We begin to, to cope by, by going to drugs and going to alcohol and and TV, binge watching TV and, and video games or pornography or, or even shopping because it gives us this kind of temporary escape from what we're feeling in the moment. But more times than not, this temporary escape ends up driving us into an even worse place emotionally. There's a guy by the name of Viktor Frankl. He was a Jewish psychiatrist. And, um, and he wrote a, a best-selling book called Man's Search for Meaning. And in his book, he argued against Freud, which, which Freud, you know, believed that the goal of life was, was pleasure, like life is all about pleasure. And, and Frankel said, no, the goal of life is, is having purpose and it's having meaning. And if you don't have purpose and if you don't have meaning, then then you end up doling your entire life with pleasure. And I think that Frankel was kind of tapping into a biblical truth. And it's this, that the internal happiness in our lives, it's not a byproduct of my life going well. It's a byproduct of my life having purpose. 
You see, internal happiness or joy, it comes from, from knowing that God is, is using our life to help rewrite the story of somebody else's life. And that's why we talk so much about the importance of being a part of a dream team here. This morning, I got the opportunity to sit down in our growth track class downstairs before service and had the opportunity to be able to talk about, you know, our vision and to talk about our dream teams and to brag on all of our dream teamers and just the amazing job that they're doing. And, and the reason why that's a part of kind of our on-ramp of getting planted in Transformation Church is not because we need you. I mean, we love doing life with you and we love doing ministry with you, but it's, it's less about that. And it's more connected to the reality that you need it. That every single one of us in our life and our journey with God, that, that we need to know that our life has meaning, that it has purpose. That God is using us to make a difference and an impact in the lives of others and and that's why today you could, you could go tap the shoulder on all kinds of dream teamers across this campus. You could tap the shoulder of some of the ushers that showed up early this morning. I don't know what time, but I know it started with a seven. <laughs> and they showed up early this morning and began to set up cones and prepare a place for us to be able to come and just fellowship and and build community after the service. Like you could tap on the shoulders of our greeters that stand at the doors or on the patio or in the foyer. You could tap on the, the shoulders of, of the women that are right now back in the nursery. Women that aren't, aren't really satisfied with just putting babies in a crib all day, but they hold your babies and they rock your babies. And they, they pray over them and they speak blessing over them. Our, our dream teamers that are back working with the kids and leading kids worship and, and teaching kids stories and Bible lessons and, and, and playing with the kids. Like you could, you could tap on the shoulders of our team that's upstairs in the, in the production booth that are, that are pushing little, little faders so that our worship experience is amazing, that are clicking buttons so that you can see scriptures on the screens and follow along, or our broadcast team that's up there switching between camera views so that people that weren't able to come today could, could have an encounter with God at home or, or traveling or wherever they are, or people that months or years down the road Road can tap into our YouTube channel and see a message from years ago that would transform their lives. Like you could tap on any one of them and I guarantee you they would say this, that their time here, that their time serving and being a part of a team and making a difference in the lives of others is some of their best moments of the week. And it's because they've discovered that, they've discovered that when their life has purpose and meaning, that they're not living their life for themselves, but they're living their lives to make an impact and the difference in other people. 
that it brings them to this place spiritually where it fulfills this scripture in Proverbs that those that refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I love the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter one. It's one that has, has really helped kind of frame um, my perspective on my own life in the early journeys of, of, of coming out of brokenness and coming out of addiction. And, and it says this, that he who comforts us in all of our troubles not just so that we can get better, but so that we can comfort others. That when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. For the more that we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Because even when we are weighed down with troubles, he's speaking to the Corinthian church here that it is for your comfort and salvation. And I wanna close with the last, the last thing that has a tendency to draw us into the cave. And it's a big one too. Number five isolation and loneliness. You know, the experts say that despite us living in the most connected society in human history, that we are the loneliest society in human history. Why did anxiety and depression get worse and worse during COVID? Well, it's because we were isolated. That as we got pulled apart and we got isolated into our own homes, that we became more and more disconnected. That the correlation between the isolation and the increase of depression is because, because God even warned us in Gen Genesis chapter two that it's not good for a man to be alone. And I think the reason why it's not good for us to be alone, and I've, I've kind of discovered this in my own life, is that, that when I isolate myself, that it keeps others from seeing me as I really am. But it also keeps me from seeing God for who he really is. And maybe today you're here and Maybe you're walking through, maybe you're in the cave. Maybe you're in this dark, desolate, lonely place. Listen, my encouragement to you is that God sent Jesus to die on a cross so that you could experience freedom. And the more that you decide to isolate and to withdraw, the more it makes it difficult for you to see what God wants to do in your life.
And I think that's why, and I wanna end with this verse, I think that's why it says in Ecclesiastes chapter four, says that two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. That if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone, they're in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but, but how can one be warm alone? And in verse 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. The Bible says that the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus says that I have come that you might have life have it more abundantly. Friend, I don't know what you're walking through and I don't know the heaviness. I don't know the darkness of the cave that you're in. But I do know this, is that as you take courageous steps to begin to walk out of the cave and as you begin to see God more clearly, that you become, you get to a place where you recognize that the community of believers here God has us here to come alongside of you, to be that triple braided cord, not easily broken, so that you can live a life that's victorious. Would you bow your head with me today? Maybe you're here this morning and Maybe you feel so alone. Maybe you're here this morning and it just feels like there's this massive gap between you and God, like he just seems so far away. This morning, I believe, is a divine appointment for some of you to close that gap, to come back into right relationship with him. Listen, medication is good friends are good but it's only the power of the Holy Spirit the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life that has the power to chain to break the chains of bondage this morning I want to lead you in that prayer with every head bowed and eye closed I'm not going to ask you to stand or come forward but if that's you today if you want to come back to a right relationship with God I just want you right there where you're seated just slip up your hand I want to lead you in a prayer today yeah, right there where you're seated, just slip it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Church family, would you say this with me today? Those of you that lifted your hand, repeat this with me, God. Thank you for sending your son to pay for my sins. Today I ask that you will forgive me be the Lord of my life and help me live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Amen. Would you give those that raise their hand today a round of applause? All of heaven rejoices today. All of heaven rejoices. Listen, I want to pray one more prayer before Kim comes out and gives us some kind of instructions about the rest of the day. I just want to pray and our, and our, um, our uh, dream team is beginning to kind of slip out and to prepare for you. But I just want to pray over you today. Maybe you're walking through um, a season of depression and I just um, ask somebody that's walked through it three times and, um, and, and has found victory. I want, to, I want to pray over you today. Father, I thank you for my friends, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity we have to worship together. And Lord, right now, Lord, I know that there's some in this room by statistics that there's some in this room, Lord, that are struggling, that are in the cave. Lord, I pray right now that the comfort of your Holy Spirit would just surround your arms around them right now. Lord, I pray that they would recognize that they're in a safe place. Lord, a place, a, a, a community of believers that are, are coming alongside of you, that, that, that wanna help lift them out of this season. And so Lord, I just pray for them in this moment. Lord, let this be the best week of their life. Lord, let this be a season of victory that Lord, as you comfort them in this season, that God, they will find the purpose and the meaning and knowing that God, you're gonna use them in a mighty way to bring comfort to others in the future. For it's in your precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.